Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. This is your host, John Landis. Happy holidays to everybody out there. This is pretty exciting, pretty exciting time of year, and we're happy to bring you an interview and music of a wonderful baritone saxophone player named Claire Daly, who's been a friend of the Jam Session <clears throat> for a long time, and um, we hope for many years to come. She lives in New York City. She's made a great uh, life as a musician. She went to Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Um, she's played with uh, a lot of her colleagues over time. Um, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview because there's a lot of uh, great stories. She's a good storyteller, raconteur. I'm told that when she plays on stage, she tells a lot of these stories, and she's got some really good ones about people like uh, Mary Joyce and Francis Valentine and others who have inspired some of the work that she has done. So let's sit tight <clears throat> for the interview with Claire Daly. So we're here on the Jam Session Radio Hour with uh, Claire Daly. And we're very excited um, that we get to talk to Claire. Um, and uh, hi, Claire. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you very much. Um, and thanks for being available for this, uh, this interview. We're doing it in December, so it's holiday season. And you're in your apartment in New York? I am. Is that where I'm you are? I'm happy to be here. It's lovely yeah. to co communicate with my friends out there in your neck of the woods. Yeah, the jam session, I mean, the, of course, you know, during the uh, pandemic, the jam session has kind of been truncated. We haven't done a lot, but we did the Hamptons Jazz Fest last summer. Um, uh, I don't know if you know anything about that or whether you, we were lucky enough to have you be part of it. Um, well, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it was great because it it's always... Well, that's nice of you. But what it was was like, I think we put together like 40 gigs of different sizes um, and... Um, you know, Bill O'Connell was involved. So Bill, some of the players that he knows, we had Paquito de Rivera. We did have, we had Randy Brecker. We had Ada. We had Hector Martignon with his big band at the Southampton Arts Center. Oh, nice. So this is going to be an annual thing. So we got to have you involved. Right. Well, I'm available next summer. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, it's July, August, September, and we're raising money now for I next think season. I'm free for July, August, and September <laughs> next summer. That's great. And you yeah. think you'll be around. Well, I'm, you know. <laughs> So, so since things have gotten a little bit better, have you been able to travel at all? Have you a, been able to a little teeny tiny little bit? I, I've been um, well. That's I, I guess in April I went out to Colorado, and I played something called the Conference on World Affairs. Yeah, uh, which was with Brad Good and a number of uh, an international. Uh, Ernie Watts was on tenor, and it was a f an incredible band. I've done it a few times. And um, it's at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and it's a great gig. They the Tuesday night jam session. It's this conference on world affairs has happened for seventy years, 70. and they have wow. um, they have it's people come from all over. It's 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 an incredible experience. It's a week long. They have panels all week, all day, every day, and the Tuesday night jazz concert is a big deal they're they're they really just love the jazz you know it's all these eccentric brilliant people yeah it's it's amazing and um uh, and then they put everybody like if they're doing a panel on global warming they'll have two or three experts on global warming an astronaut a musician and a teacher or some like they make these crazy combinations right. of people to yeah. to keep it interesting for everyone, 
and it's so fun. It's I, I just I, I it's just that good. The guy who puts the whole thing together, he puts the music part together. Uh, just the music part. Mm -hmm. Oh no, the whole thing is put together by by I don't know academics. Bill, it's, Bill Clinton, it's, something it's, like that. Right. It's not a music centric right. conference. Other than uh, jazz, do they have other? Um, do they have other concerts during the week or Tuesday night is jazz night? So they have other no. ones. It's the yeah. only music they have. Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 um, and how big is the audience for those nights? Um, uh, the theater looks like it seats 1500, something like that. It's a lot. I mean, there yeah, are thousands of people there for the conference. At the university. Yeah. 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 And it's a pretty big theater in there. And, um, you and do you get to go to any of the symposia then? I mean, like yeah, uh, they put it? us on all the panels. We we get throughout the no. week. We're on we're on panels about. You have to do your homework and stuff, or are you like are you no. supposed to be talking about you music? No, you don't know what the panel's going to be on until you get there. Nice. And I mean, you know, during you know before the week, but so what kind of panel did they put you on? Well, um, they'll put they'll put us. They don't put us on the super. You know. Right. You don't have to do <laughs> a TED talk. I was once on on one about um, happiness, you know, mm -hmm. but they had like a, a wide variety of occupations, you know, and um, uh, I can't even remember now. I can't think of them. Right. All, that sounds really good. It's a really and cool. They've done it for seventy years. So, have you done more than one? Yeah, I think I've done it uh, three times. Yeah. Wow, that's excellent. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, we're going to be playing some of your music, your music, okay. and so we'll kind of interstitial that with uh, with parts of the interview. But let's go, let's let's kind of go back chronologically because it helps us to pull out the music and tell us how you started to play, and then kind of give us a notion of how. I know you started not in, with a baritone, but right. it's, at some point you you started doing that, yeah. and um, and then also about your flute playing, which you know I totally love. I love both when that came along, and just tell us how you got into it. Thanks. You know, um, I started playing alto when I was 12. And I think when I was about 15, I got a flute. And I picked up the flute and I just got a sound on it right away. It was it was something um, that that I, I can't really say it came naturally to me, but it came it came to me easily. Like I, I, I really like the flute. And even today I say, if I don't play it for a while, I, I have 10 good minutes on flute at, at pretty much any time. I can pick it up and just play on it. If I'm out of practice, I, I tire out, but I huh. love playing it. Huh. And um, yeah, I, I usually put something on flute on most of my records, I think. Yeah. Um, even though I am primarily a baritone player, right, and that happened gradually. I say I worked my way down to the baritone because I started on alto, and then I was in all kinds of you know all, all kinds of working situations, <laughs> and had a tenor, and I had a soprano, um, and then I hit the baritone, and I just didn't look. You back. still use the alto and the tenor and the soprano? Not much. Not too much. I feel like I've heard you at the jam session play something other than the baritone. Do you remember ever playing either flute or one of your other horns? I, I wouldn't. No, I, I, I would have played flute. if. I, yeah, I probably I did bring my flute out there yeah. a few times. Yeah. And I think you've played at the Southampton Arts Center, right? Not just at Bayburger, but you also played the Southampton Arts Center that had like on a proscenium stage with 100, maybe 150 seats. No? Oh, yes, yes. I forgot about that one. Yes, yeah. that was, uh, and Ray Anderson was on that, I think. Yes. And Bill was on that on piano. And, right. Um, was that um, Baba 
Israel? Was it? It wasn't Baba Israel, the uh, the beatboxer. I don't think I don't think he was there that night. Yeah. I don't think he was. No, they call that hip hop jazz. That's Bill and Sante, Debriano and Ada and Cleus. Right. Yes. Yes. So Ada, Ada plays. Yeah. Have you heard Baba Israel? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it, I have. Oh yeah. He's. Uh, I've. We've been in the same. We've played. It's not like I know. I don't feel like I know him very well. But we, he, uh, I played in a band called Tribeca Stan oh. here in town, and um, he played with us. He sat in with us a few times, I think. Really? John, John Cruth has a band, yeah, uh -huh. that I that I've played with. Uh, John has left town now, but um, that's, that's where I met uh, Baba. Right. Yeah. And um, not jump. We're jumping around a little bit, but uh, but we talked about uh, Mary. What's her pro her name? The Mary something project? Oh, the Mary Joyce project. Mary Joyce yeah. project, and, and you have a beatboxer on that, right? I, I do. Yes. The, Who the is that? Connection. Um, that is my friend Napoleon Maddox, hmm. who lives in well now. Right now, he's living in France, but he's from Cincinnati, and he and I met many years ago. The bass player Joe Fonda invited him over for a session and said, hey, I found this beatboxer and I think he's really interesting. He's He really does have roots in jazz. And um, so he came over and we played and it was just, you know, that click of, oh, I've known you for eternity, let's, let's play music. Right away he brought me out to Cincinnati to do something and I've brought him here to do things and we always, we, we're very good friends. Um, it's so much fun to play with Napoleon because he's a beatboxer and he's out of hip hop, but his favorite drummer was, uh, it is, um, or, uh, you know, when I met him was Hamid Drake, a great, uh, you know, sort of avant-garde and other drummer from, from, uh, Chicago, mm -hmm. Chicago, I think. And, um, they were friends and, you know, there's a whole sort of circuit of, avant-garde um, contemporary players that he also grew up in. You know, Jack Walker, a tenor player in Cincinnati, brought raised him on free jazz, as well as he was growing up in a hip-hop era. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's a really incredible human, uh, as well as incredible musician. Well, what's the, what's the Mary Joyce Project? The Mary Joyce Project is something I wrote uh, with Steve Hudson, a pianist here. Um, Mary Joyce was my father's first cousin. Huh. I met her when I was a young child and she lived in Alaska and she was exotic and unlike anyone I had ever met. So when several years back, um, my cousin published her journals, she made a trip. She was outrageous and she was a true free spirit. This woman, Mary Joyce. Mary Joyce, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Mary Joyce was a free spirit who um, was born in Wisconsin. Uh, her mother committed suicide when she was young. So she um, grew up in my father's family. My father was her cousin. So she moved in with the family. So that's that, you know, that was their, their connection. And then she moved in the 1920s to Hollywood because she wanted to be in the talkies. 
And when she got there, um, she got a job. She was a nurse. She had become a nurse. She got a job she, um, for some filmmaker doing, um, like, uh, doing consulting for some movie of about nurses. You know, they check with people to make sure they're getting things right. Uh, long story short, she ended up being connected to this woman, a very wealthy woman whose son was a, 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 a nutball, a crazy nut and eccentric and um, addicted to something and, and getting into all kinds of trouble. So they bought this lodge in Juneau, Alaska called the Taku Lodge. And they put him in storage there, basically. They were just trying to get him out of out of all the, the, the trouble he was getting into there. Now the Taku Lodge, and I've been there, is one of the most remote places on earth that <laughs> I've ever seen. So she hired Mary, she liked Mary Joyce. So she hired Mary to go live with Hack, Hackley Smith was his uh -huh. name. And she, and she hired Mary to be there as a nurse because he had some medical conditions. Of course, they became a couple of some to some of some in some way, uh -huh. and uh, Mary moved up there with Hack, and um, they were the Smith. He was Hack Smith of the Smith Corona typewriters. Wow, boy, I'm really on a, a storytelling binge here tonight. Um, so Mary moved up there. Hack died a couple of years later, uh -huh. and. Mary stayed alone at the lodge for a year. I mean, she had friends and she had, uh, she, she was, you know, she had visitors and friends. Uh -huh. But then she took off on a dog sled trip from Juneau to Fairbanks, <laughs> which had never, she went on unchartered territory. No non-Alaskan had taken the route that she took. And she goes to Fairbanks. She gets lost. She gets sick. That's what the journal is. So uh, it was crazy. So then she she goes there and then um, stays for a little while in Fairbanks, comes back to Juneau, opens a bar uh, called the Top Hat and um, lived her life out in Juneau, Alaska. So her story is remarkable and fantastic. And it's in her own words. And so you had she, access to this journal. I got, uh, I, my cousin like self-published where you just, you know, they print them up mm -hmm. if you order them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the Mary Joyce something it's called, I'll think of it, but um, she did. So I read the journals and I put it down. I was like, I have got to write music for Mary. Yeah. So I went to Alaska and I went to Juneau and I went to her grave and I asked her to help me get it right. And I, then I was in Juneau for two weeks with another cousin who had lived with her for a while there. And I met all kinds of people who knew Mary. It was insane. Uh -huh. They're very old now, older people now. But the, right. the, 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 you know how those, sometimes the, the, the universe just unfolds uh -huh. a, a path for you. And it was yeah. just like that. It was crazy. I, I met all kinds of people. I did. I, I ran a, and then, and then I, I hooked up. There's a festival up there, so I pr ended up premiering the piece two years later at the festival there. Ah, and Juno. A jam session at her bar, which it was still there. The Taku Lounge is still there. Uh, no, well, the Taku Lounge. That's you have to take a small plane to that. Yeah, oh my but god! In Juno, uh, yeah. the Lucky Lady is the name of her bar, <laughs> and uh, it might still be there because it, right. it was still there then. And 
that was 2008 or nine. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, oh, that whole story and that, oh, I could go on about that. That was, there was so much magic around that project.
The Jam Session Radio Hour is supported by Bayard Fenwick as a sponsor and underwriter, as part of the Terry Cohen team located at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate. Bayard is well-versed in the residential real estate market from Bridgehampton to East Hampton to Amagansett to Montauk. Bayard believes there are three parts to the value of a property, land value, improvements made to the property, and an emotional component. You can reach Bayard Fenwick at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate at 631-324-7575. That's 631-324-7575. The Jam Session Radio Hour is also supported by Oza Sabbath Architects of Bridgehampton, New York. Oza Sabbath Architects both designs and builds homes, believing that a well-designed home suffuses our lives with the essential elements of balancing and recharging. Oza Sabbath Architects can be reached at ozasabbath.com. That's O-Z-A-S-A-B-B-E-T-H.com and at 631-808-3036. That's 631-808-3036. You're listening to Long Island's only NPR station. That's WLIWFM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. Uh, this is the Jam Session Radio Hour. We are... Uh, very happy to be listening to interview and music of Claire Daly, baritone saxophone player from New York City. Project. Right. When did you do the Mary Joyce Project? When I was think it was 2008. 2008. What? Ten okay. years now. So, oh my God. So tell us. So how many how many albums have you been have been you been responsible for? Not that you've played on, but that you've done yourself. Really? That have been Claire Daly albums. Um, I'd have to think about. Let me think about it out loud. Five or six. A uh, little more than that, maybe. Oh, maybe um, there's the first one was Swing Low, Moving yeah. On, um, Heaven Help Us All. Uh huh. Um, what came after that? Uh, Baritone Monk. Baritone Monk. Oh, that was so. That was for Thelonious Monk stuff. That that's a little bit of a story too to tell you. You do, You also did that. Um, Motown album. Uh, yes, uh, 2648 West Grand Boulevard. Um, what else is in there? I don't know. I almost like have to go look. You know, the, uh, let me just ask you, like the albums that you do yourself, so those are uh, those would be all your tunes that you wrote? No, no. no. I've done, I've, like Baritone Monk is all Monk tunes. Oh, and of course. And then the Motown is Motown stuff. And, and I, the story of Baritone Monk is that in... Northern California, there was a, there's a brewery, there is a brewery that makes Brother Thelonious Ale. And the then owner of that brewery, Doug Moody, um, called me and, and asked me if I wanted to do a record of Monk tunes yeah. and produced that record for me. Okay. And uh, it was it's all monk tunes and all of the proceeds of that record went to the monk institute which mm-hmm. is now the herbie hancock institute it's you know <laughs> you know jazz everything changes fast wow but um oh, you know that that was a a, a really great project at oh. that time okay yeah uh, but but then some of the albums like like the mary joyce project all those tunes are yours that's original right yeah. swing low was what a combination of standards standards you know, Swing Low was that I had played on Koch Jazz on a number of records on Koch Jazz, and the jazz, the head of the jazz department then, Donald Elfman, said, "Hey, if you want to do your own record, we'll put it out." 
this was back in whenever that was, I don't know, mm -hmm. a long time ago, 99 mm -hmm. or 2000. Mm -hmm. And he, and he said, if you want to do your own, we'll put it out. So I just picked a bunch of standards and tunes that I liked and some of my friends tunes. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, you know, this, these will make great Christmas presents. I, I just, I didn't even have any ambition for the record. <laughs> They're terrible to say, but you know, I was like, yeah, great. Let's do that. And then it caught a wave and it actually is the thing that put me on the map. So mm -hmm. luckily I, uh, I made a record of standards that, that people wanted to hear. Is there, is there any, um, is it your, one of your records or a record that you play on with somebody else where you would say it is more free jazz? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So which ones would those would that be? Um, well, I have a duo. Oh, huh. Speaking of Napoleon, I have a duo CD with Napoleon called Out of Compliance. Okay. And it's just the two of us. Uh -huh. And it's it's we did a duo record where most of the pieces we gave ourselves little scenarios and did free jazz improvising um that most of them are about two minutes long a couple of them are longer but we kept them very short and we just did uh -huh. a bunch of them right named them for different and that, that one came out under your name or you i don't know what that's out under well that no that's under no no we call ourselves the honorable hustlers <laughs> So <laughs> that's out as the honorable hustlers. Right. Napoleon Maddox and Claire Daly. Napoleon yeah. Maddox. How do you spell Maddox? M-A-N-N-I-X? No, no. M-A-D-D-O-X. Oh, Maddox. Maddox. Okay. Maddox. Okay. Napoleon Maddox. So he probably knows Baba, I would imagine, you know? Um, I know there are a lot I would of people. He yeah. spends enough time in New York. He probably does. Yeah. Does Napoleon teach? Does he teach beatbox? Yeah. yeah, he yeah. teaches. He's. I mean, that's what he's been doing in France as well as he's kind of. He's. I think he's really got a scene for himself in France. His band in Cincinnati is called Is What. Okay. And he's always. He's all and is what is whatever he says it is. So sometimes we toured as is what in the Midwest with a tenor player, myself and Napoleon, the three of us in my car driving around playing in uh -huh. places all yeah. over. Really fun. He's a lot of fun. Napoleon's awesome. Yeah. Top shelf. Yeah.
You're listening to 88.3 FM, Southampton, New York. That's WLIW, also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. And this is the Jam Session Radio Hour uh, with your host, John Landis. And we're listening to an interview and music of Claire Daly. One of the things that uh, that I know that, uh, you know, in some of the other interviews I've heard you do, um, you were asked was, what, I mean, you've had this great career. What are some of the things you'd like to continue? What's kind of like what's... What, it was a kind of a bucket list question. What are some of the things you'd love to do, you know, uh, given where you are with your career right now, like things open back up? I know it's it's a big question mark. What's what's going to happen with the music business in, in general? But do you have aspirations to do more albums? I know you love to teach. I love to teach students that really w- w- want to be taught. <laughs> I'm, um, I, I actually like private students. Um like if you could teach at Berkeley, would you want to do that? Which is where you went. I mean, would that be? I did, I did go to Berkeley. Yeah. And I'd have to say, if the conditions were right, um, something like that would be okay. But I would still want to play. I would still want to be able to. Um, but don't most of the teachers at a place like Berkeley play? Yeah, I think so. I mm-hmm. think sure, sure. So sure. I, would. I mean, so tell us about going to Berkeley and how that happened and what that was like. And because uh, it was in the early 80s, right? You left Boston around 85, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was young, my father took me to a lot of jazz concerts. It's That's really where it happened for me. And somebody after one of the concerts, I wanted to get, I have autographs. I got autographs because I was a geeky little kid and I was like, I want to get their autographs. And so my father asked one, at least one of the musicians, you know, she's, she really is, wants to do this. What should she do? And they told us about Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And then this was, you know, long ago. And right. there weren't a lot of jazz programs around at that point. And you know, so we looked into it and I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And, you know, my parents now with hindsight, I wish I had just moved into New York City and started studying with people privately. But um, that's not because I I had a great experience at Berkeley. Um, that's just because then I'd have a rent controlled apartment now. But uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm being funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Berkeley was great for me. I, I was naive. I was 18. I was, um, you know, inexperienced, but I, the people there to study with, and I made great friends who are still my friends. I became the, I heard the fringe for the first time, which is George Garzon's group. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what avant-garde jazz was. And I heard them play live, and I, I was floored, and I didn't 
didn't, I was like, I, I don't, uh, what, I, it just scrambled my brain. And I was like, I don't really understand this, but I need to keep coming back. So I kept, I went every Monday for like a year. And then I became the, uh, bar, the bartender. Yeah, we bartender. That's great. <laughs> because Michael, I have to plug my computer. I became the bartender because Michael, um, you know, there weren't a lot of people there on Monday nights, and Michael wanted to do something else. And he's like, "You're here. Why don't you be the bartender?" And I think he asked George Garzon, and George said, "Oh yeah, Claire's cool. Uh, you know, like." So, so I became the bartender, and I heard them every week for another couple years. So I heard the Fringe every Monday for about three years.
Hello, I'm John Landis, host of the Jam Session Radio Hour, heard here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIW-FM on Sundays at 8 p.m. It's a very special time of year, a time to enjoy the holidays with friends and family and a time for giving. We hope you enjoy what we bring to you every day and from the Jam Session Radio Hour. With our outstanding local programming, along with your NPR favorites, whatever your interests, news, music, public affairs, we know you'll find something to keep you entertained and better informed. And it's the perfect time to say thanks. When you make a donation now in support of our Board of Trustees Challenge, every dollar you donate will be matched up to $100,000. But this matching gift challenge ends December 31, so please donate now and have your donation go twice as far. Please call us at 800-262-0717 or go online at wliwfm.org. Thank you and happy holidays from the Jam Session Radio Hour and from WLIW-FM. As far as the future goes for me, I really love playing inside. I love playing funk. I love playing free jazz. And if my life can play out mm-hmm. and allow me to do that, I'm going to be a, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty happy, I'm a pretty happy camper as it is. I always say if I, you know, if the end was tomorrow, I would not regret this life at all. I've had, I've had a pretty fantastic life playing, playing music and playing the saxophone. Like, yeah, whatever. It's, 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 it's how I, it's how it came to me. So I've pretty much just followed the muse and I, I really don't have a lot of, you know, I'm, I want to do this and this and this. Like, I, I think that goals are great to have, but I think um, sh- getting out there and showing up and, and moving forward and keep doing what's next, and you might be led in a direction that you don't know about yet. Right. And it might be, might be fantastic.
Thanks so much for joining us. This has been a great evening, and we're going to have part two coming to you next week. I hope you've enjoyed talking with Claire, listening to some of the great uh, insights and history she's had in her music profession. Um, I certainly did. I really enjoyed doing the interview with her. She's a great uh, storyteller and told us some wonderful stories about Mary Joyce. And if we haven't heard about Frances Valentine, that one's coming up next week talking about some of the influences that she's had next week i think we're going to hear about uh, the colleagues in her band um she's been involved with a big band over the years uh the diva big band and also various um various projects of her own i think five or six albums including uh the mary joyce project nothing to lose um a dedication to uh to thelonious monk uh swing low her first album um, she's working on an album now that she's going to dedicate uh, tunes for Francis Valentine, so we're looking forward to that. And we look forward to you being you continuing to be with us in the future. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Uh, thank you for Oza Sabbath, uh, our uh, underwriters, and for Bayard Fenwick, another underwriter. Thanks to Fernando Valladeres uh, for the help that he does in choosing music, along with Rafael Alvarez, our absolutely supreme uh, uh, sound editor and uh, engineer thanks to Silvana Monasterios for the use of his theme uh, song our intro and outro and uh, thanks to uh, Clayus Brondahl music director and to WLW for bringing this to you happy holidays take care of yourselves we'll talk more next week and uh, be good good night